Hey, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. With the release of movies like Jesus Music and the Jesus Revolution, people are asking me more questions about the 70s. Interesting timing because this year I'm going to be in my 70s. We've reached the point where it's time for old men to tell their stories before they forget them. Sadly, the stories told so far have kind of left me out of the picture. I'm not mad, but I am disappointed because so many of the bands that I knew and the people that I knew were missing in the story. There are not enough movies to communicate all the happenings of that decade and the impact it had on a generation of believers that are still believers to this day. But I have to tell you, I was not transformed by the Jesus movement. I was introduced to Jesus in my youngest years, raised on the lessons and the stories of the Bible. My life has been more about figuring out how I fit into God's plans. I heard countless stories of people who came to Jesus because they didn't feel like they belonged anywhere. But I can tell you that even knowing Jesus, I still didn't know as a kid where I belonged. The first scripture I ever heard was from my preacher dad who would say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes on him would not perish and they would be given eternal life. That verse alone was more than I could get my head around. First of all, as a kid, I had no idea about the world. I wasn't even sure I belonged in it. And then to think that before you even got started, they're already talking about a disaster where you are going to perish. Unless, of course, you believe in Jesus. And before I was a week old, I was in church three times a week. My dad was the preacher and he was focused on eternity. He would have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and then Wednesday night. His sermons almost always ended with, if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? I think I might have spent more time thinking about dying than living. And from my earliest days, I was more of an observer of life than I was a participant. I like to tell people I was given all the answers before before I had the questions. From the beginning, my life was based on scripture and became an ongoing matter of trial and error. For decades, I would hear testimonies of amazing transformations in a person's life who raised hell and then found Jesus. Testimonies would always leave me feeling like I had not lived. I got the impression that life was more interesting before Christ, and it felt like the euphoria that came with knowing Jesus was a matter of relief because you weren't going to have to face the consequences. And because I didn't have a dramatic story, I would remain an observer. So I will start my story of the 70s when I was 16 in 1969. I was a preacher's kid starting high school. The times were turbulent, at least that's what they said, but I really had nothing to compare it to. People in church were already talking about the end of times, that surely Jesus was coming back in the next few years. Richard Nixon was president, and we had a war going on in Vietnam. The younger generation was protesting, carrying signs, calling for peace, and Barry Maguire was singing about the eve of destruction. Anyone over 30 was not to be trusted, and we grew our hair out long as a defiance against the status quo. Kids my age were wearing bell-bottoms, Levi's that were skin-tight everywhere else. Beads were popular, as well as fringe on leather jackets, and vests were hip, and just as many long-haired teenagers wore granny glasses as grannies did. And those grannies in church were screaming about miniskirts and Levi's 
improvise with buttons on the fly instead of zippers. Brewer and Shipley were singing One Toke Over the Line, Sweet Jesus. And Crosby, Stills, and Nash were singing Four Dead in Ohio. And then came a hippie musical, simply called Hair. And that was followed by Jesus Christ Superstar. Meantime, in church, we were singing When We All Get to Heaven. And at home, my dad would listen to Sons of the Pioneers. And Mom was glued to the TV when Lawrence Welk came on. She would sit there in her curlers every Saturday night. She thought it was wonderful, wonderful. I always called it pasty white people music. Somebody singing, Oh, Danny boy. So when Sunday came around, after listening to Saturday Night Lawrence Welk, the song straight out of the hymnal from the Assemblies of God Church didn't sound too bad. Nevertheless, church music was left in church. And after that, I would listen to the radio. Back then, one station would play everything from James Brown to James Taylor. I remember the first time I heard James Brown, he kind of reminded me of the way my dad would preach. Ow! I feel good! Listening to the radio was one thing, but bringing that kind of music home might stir up a few demons. So the first record I bought was an instrumental. My dad liked guitar music, listened to Chet Atkins all the time. So I brought home The Ventures. They had a song out that was instrumental, but it was called Wipeout. And once that record found some resonance, I took it up a notch to singing vocals. I played a song to my dad from CS and N called Teach Your Children Well. It sounded really responsible. And then I followed it up with another song off of that record called Our House is a very, very, very fine house. And I think that was when I first started to discover that one song deserved another song to follow it up. And I realized that songs put in a certain order could bring a whole different message. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was discovering how you could do music as a sermon. Assembling my thoughts from 50 years ago is a daunting task. It's almost overwhelming trying to get everything in the exact order that it happened. But in the coming weeks, I plan to try to give you an idea of where I was in the 70s and how I wound up on the West Coast and becoming a part of what they call Jesus music. And thanks for listening to Nutshell Sermons, as well as songs that didn't make my last record and songs that didn't get airplay. Podcasting has become my new platform. At 70, I have no plans of retiring kind of hard to do anyway as a Christian musician. You can support this effort by sharing it with a friend. I consider this my new ministry and it's like starting over. And thanks for your support.